Thank you for taking the time to listen to Garage Conversations with Char. It is hard for me to believe my 50th podcast will be included in Series 5. I truly appreciate you coming along with me on my podcasting journey. The pillars of the podcast continue to be the same, to inform, engage, and inspire. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, I'm really happy to have uh, with me today, Gary Beck, my brother. And you may remember that back in series three, Gary was on talking about his uh, second career as a football official. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I suggest you go back and listen to it because it's really cool. I have to say that, although I may be biased. And the fact that, you know, he has such a varied interest um, being in the more in the financial field, but also being a football official, that's quite, quite amazing to me. Uh, but also, we talked about Gary coming back and sharing with us, you know, some basics around football. And I think it's really apropos, even though it took us a couple of series to get here, we're now in series five, and I'm happy to start off the series with this topic of, uh, I called it football 101, but we're almost to Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and the Eagles. And of course, I have to say fly, Eagles fly, because I am an Eagles fan all my life. I don't think my dad would have anything left. And of course, Gary's an Eagles fan. So we're going to, um, of course, be excited about that. And this is their second Super Bowl in about five years. So I believe they have a really good chance to win. It's going to be very exciting, I'm sure, with Andy Reid coming back to Philadelphia. Uh, Arizona. Yes, neutral yes. Site. Neutral site. That's right. That's why they play in the neutral site. But, you know, I have to say Eagles fans do travel. So I expect a lot of Eagles fans in that stadium. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I uh, want us to talk about this because, you know, the Super Bowl is a time when, you know, people get together for Super Bowl parties and events. And a lot of people who really aren't, um, you know, they may watch the game on occasion, but the Super Bowl is the time when they really watch the game. So I thought it would be good to help people sort of have at least a baseline foundation and if you are a, a, a big fan of football and you have family members who maybe you can suggest, hey, listen to that podcast so you can get a little bit of background. You know, when people saying, you know, you know, they scored a, a you know, some kind of uh, wrong sport when they really when, mm-hmm. when they're when we're playing football, you know. It's, but I think a lot of people do have a little bit of basis, but I think it's always good to learn a bit more so you can understand the game better. So, you know, Gary, what do you, what do you I mean, you said you wanted to come back and, and talk about this. So sure. what are your thoughts on, on this whole thing? Well, let's first start with the game. You know, it's a game. Mm-hmm. And so I find that, you know, there are different levels of knowledge and expertise about the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so someone who watches only the Super Bowl, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. they really don't, you know, they're not the true fandom because right. people who don't uh, follow American football, right. you know, 
the comments that I hear is, why are they stopping? You know, it's so slow. And and it's not that fast paced action because you have plays. Right. And football is broken down into plays. Uh, unlike basketball, where it's, you know, running up and down nonstop, except for timeouts and mm-hmm. um, halftime and in between quarters. And not like hockey, where it's up and down the ice, fast pace, mm-hmm. uh, few stoppages of play. Mm-hmm. In football, you have a stoppage every three to five seconds possibly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't understand how the game is played and why it's played that way, they're not really, uh, they can't really get into it and adopt it uh, because it's too slow. Yeah. Case in point, uh, the most popular sport in the world, as we know, we call it soccer, but the rest of the world calls it football. And that's the football that they know, you know, it's face, it's very few stoppages. Hey, that clock keeps running even when someone gets injured. Yeah. So they can't fathom why the clock is stopping, why all the players are running around and then they stop when the whistle blows and Mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, I, I think hopefully this time can be used to shed some light, to answer some questions. Mm-hmm. That the typical person who doesn't watch the game may have, and um, you know, this time would be good for that. Yeah, and you know what, Gary, I really appreciate you making the different differentiation between American football and football slash soccer, especially since I know this podcast does get listened to around the world. I appreciate that, and um. Because I know, you know, soccer is very popular. It's funny at work, you know, working for an international company when it was, uh, what do you call it? The world, um, when all the countries come together to play soccer, everybody was like all the world, the world cup. It was, it was in our cafeteria. You know, I work from people from the UK and Israel and Brazil and, you know, all kinds of places. Everybody was all into it. So. I think that uh, we have to make sure we're clear. We're talking about American football. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And, and don't forget those stadiums in that World Cup, they are packed out. Yeah. It gives you the idea of how popular that sport is. And the World Cup is the Super Bowl every four years for the world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's very popular. And then you can intermix the um, game of rugby. So, you know, a lot of people have heard of rugby. It's Mm -hmm. very similar to American football, but rules-wise, you know, completely different. Yeah. The goal is the same. The concept is the same. Score more points than your opponent. Most games are decided by a point score. And so when you talk about football, American football, we're talking about points. The goal and the object is to score more points than your opponent. Yeah. And you know what, since you, it's a good lead into the question of let's talk about how you score points. Because it's not like basketball where you get one, goes in the basket, you get one point. There's Mm -hmm. like multiple ways you can score um, points in football. Um, even now, many different ways, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. 
So, so if you can count on your hand, how many <laughs> uh-huh. different ways can you score in football? Let's test your knowledge. Okay, I believe there are. I know. I know the defense can possibly score, which is if you can do a field goal. Field goal. Goal. Yeah. What is that? I know it's a safety. Isn't that one? Safety. Yeah. Um, there's a touchdown. Touchdown. And there's one more. Isn't there the extra point? Yes, you got them okay, all. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know if I named them all right, but I got them. Okay. Yeah. There, there's actually one more that really? is not, yes, it's not scored on a scrimmage play. One more way to accumulate points. Think about after touchdown options. Hmm. Well, that's not the... the yes. Two- yes. Okay, 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 okay. The two-point conversion. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So you can either score six points mm-hmm. four from a touchdown. You can score three points by kicking the ball through mm-hmm. the goalposts, in between that's- the goalposts, that is, that's yes. a real goal. That's right. three. Uh-huh. You can get a safety, as you mentioned, when the defense mm-hmm. scores. Mm-hmm. That's two points. That's when they tackle the offensive player in their own end zone. Right. And then the one point, which you said was the extra point. Yeah. Points after touchdowns. Every team has the ability and the option to kick the ball from 33 yards away for one point. Or go for the two-point conversion from the two-yard line. And this is where strategy comes into play. This is when coaches make their money because they make the decisions on what they should do after a touchdown. So, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that um, the Eagles have been, (laughs) go for the hometown team, have been known for our coach being pretty aggressive with the going for that um, extra uh, two points. Yes. Yeah. And doesn't that have to be from a certain uh, place uh, Yes. on the field, right? Okay. So if we're going to go into that, when a coach decides to go for two instead of kicking the ball for one, mm-hmm. the ball is placed on the two-yard line, And the coach has the option to tell the officials where within the hash marks to place the ball. Oh, wow. I didn't know the coach had any say on that. That's interesting. Oh, yes. The coach can say because it's really a dead ball. So the coach can tell the officials where to place the ball on only a couple of occasions. Number Mm -hmm. one, when they're going for the two-point conversion, they could say left hash. They could say right hash. They could say middle because if a coach doesn't tell the officials where to put the ball, the ball will go in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I've even heard coaches say right center. Okay, so now they want to go toward the right hash, but in between the middle and the hash. Wow. Yes, it's very strategic. The other time a coach can decide where to place the ball is on a touchback after a free kick. Mm -hmm. So we can go into all the different terminologies because most people don't call it a free kick. Yeah. In your official's manual, they're all called free kicks. They're not called Mm -hmm. kickoffs. 
Pinterest okay. called free kicks. Mm-hmm. So uh, you and I know it as a kickoff. So the kickoff, mm-hmm. the receiver catches it in the end zone, mm-hmm. and they choose not to run it out. Okay. So that's a touchback. Or they don't have to catch it. They just give the signal, and the referee signals that we have a dead ball touchback. So mm-hmm. that's when the coach tells the official, I want it on the right hash. I want it on the left hash. Mm-hmm. Or if they ignore the official, it goes in the middle. So, so when you're doing that thing, um, it's the kickoff, right? When a person is supposed to catch it, that's the receiver um, on the special teams. If it goes, if the kicker kicks it and it goes in the in uh, what do you call it, the end zone, mm-hmm. don't that means the ball is put at a certain spot, right? Yes, the ball comes out to the 25-yard line. Okay, okay. So uh, uh, in years past, uh, not quite sure when the rule changed, but y- you remember when it was on the 20-yard line. Yeah, I remember the 20. I was surprised right. you said 25, but I'm like, well, he's an official. He would know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a 25 in the NFL and in college. And so the whole goal of that is they're trying to eliminate injuries on kickoffs. You have 11 players running down full speed. You have 11 players or at least 10 waiting to meet them. And you have a lot of vicious collisions. And so uh, the people in the NFL and college, because remember, it's a trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. Rule changes in the NFL most times will trickle down to the college level. So they want to take the free kicks out of the game because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of concussion injuries that can occur. Um, And that's why they incentivize the receiving team to not run it back. They're giving them five extra yards to say, well, you know, most times you can't do better than this. So even when you receive the ball and let's say you take that knee in the end zone, now you're at the 25 and most coaches want that. They will Mm -hmm. coach their players. If that ball goes over your head, don't even try to run it back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, that takes the element, uh, the most exciting element of a kickoff return is, of course, when they break the long one. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves to see that. And when you're mm-hmm. when it's for your team, it's a electrifying mm-hmm. type of play. And it still mm-hmm. is a play. Right. When he takes it a hundred yards, a hundred and two yards, it, it's a great to see. So, however, um the rule changes that have occurred in the past five, ten years are incentivizing the offense to not try to run it back because when you lower when you lessen the number of kickoff returns you lessen the uh possibility of injuries and that's you know what i think that's good because you know even if you're not a football fan you probably heard about demar hamlin and his i think it was just almost a very unusual type of injury because I've seen harder hits than that. It just, I think the way he was hit and I saw some things on the news about it, it was almost like 
this perfect hit that hit his chest that made him, you know, stop his heart. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, I heard some reports as well about how, you know, our hearts are, you know, in rhythm. Yeah. And there's electricity in your body. I see a chiropractor. And my chiropractor has a technique where he makes me put my forefinger and thumb together. And when he touches it, he generates some type of electrical pose that Mm -hmm. allows him to adjust my back. So he attack, adjust, adjust. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when the hit was made, it was in perfect synchronization yes the electrical impulses in this heart it's almost like you want to call it a fluke but you know it's a serious injury he could have yeah. died without mm-hmm. you know that uh life saving uh um i'm sorry the trainers when they come out yeah 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 without cpr we could be talking a different story yeah, yeah. And I, they said, um, someone mentioned that perhaps on the football field for an injury is one of the safest places to be because they have so many trainers and things like that. And, and um, yeah. some of the doctors said the, the quick intervention helped him. And, you know, I'm a person of faith, so I know God was working to make sure, you know, he would, um, you know, be recovered. And I, I, I love his, uh, you know, the team, they, they mm-hmm. prayed, they went there. The whole league. <laughs> the whole league was, yeah. was just, just supporting him. And, yeah. and, and thankfully he's, he's recovering. They, uh, since, you know, news changes all the time, I haven't heard much lately, but apparently he was definitely recovering and he oh. was asking that his team win. That was the last thing I heard. So, yeah. you know, that's good. Yeah, he was at their playoff game. You know, they yeah. did lose, but he was there. So yeah. he's out of the hospital, and hopefully the prospects are bright for him. Yeah. So just to, just going back to the fact that, that football understands that it is, you know, a violent sport, and they, they do try to have measures to to help. But, I mean, you, you can't get away from it. it. You're hitting each other. I mean, you know, it's – it takes a toll on your body, and and I know the equipment's a lot better, and, and all yes. those things. But you know, people people are going to get injured who play that sport, and that's why I don't begrudge. And some people will could debate you why they make so much money. You cannot play football like you know uh, have a twenty five year career in football. You know, so they, right. these guys are putting their body on the line. Unless you're Tom Brady. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you know, his you know, career is over right now. Yeah. Yeah, but um, that's uh, that's another story. But and, yeah, and, and Sean, not to dwell on the injury part of it. Yes, it's yes. the violent part. That's where why they wear all the equipment. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's people play it for the love of the game. Yeah, but they do realize the risk. Yeah, and um, I you know I've seen all kinds of injuries. I've seen feet and ankles be at a 90 degree angle. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've done little kids games and, you know, kid broke his leg and he tried to hop around and finish the play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it is a a violent sport, but Mm -hmm. the rules in place deal with that. There are 
rule committees that every year they talk about how to make the game safer. Mm-hmm. And before, Char, you might not realize this, on a kickoff, two players could come together and go forward and block. That's mm-hmm. a penalty now. It's a 15-yard penalty at the college level. That's yeah. uh, They are not allowed to come within the yard of each other. And, and that's how they're taking some of the, the, the injury risks out of it. Um, I mean, I could go over a number of different things, but, yeah. uh, you know, when you look at the Super Bowl and you look at quarterbacks and how well they're protected. Yeah, yeah. NFL, they are taking their, first of all, it's all marketing because they want the yeah. teams to be marketed. Yeah. But, so they protect those breadwinners, you know, the uh, yeah. So, but yes, uh, injuries have to be dealt with. Uh, the NFL has the top-notch medical mm-hmm. people on the sideline ready to act, and they're trained just for that specific purpose. Yeah, I guess um, people, if you watch, if you watch the Eagles game against the 49ers, some people complain there were too many penalties, but if you go back, and of course I might be biased, and you look at the replays, those were really penalties where there were face masks. That's t- protecting the players. You can't pull their face mask. Mm-hmm. And other a lot of those penalties, if you saw it, they were violating. And I think San Francisco might have been getting a bit upset that they were losing. And then, you know, it's an emotional game too, right? And yes. then you start playing sloppy and then you get more penalties and it's just a roller coaster. So, you know, I think that's a really good point. But going back to when we were talking about the kickoffs, I just want to make sure that people understand where the ball is placed. Now, if you if the if the receiver catches the ball, they can keep running until they get knocked down. And that's where you place the ball for the um, offense to come out. But sometimes the ball get, gets kicked out of bounds or it. It, it bounces around. And this is where I admit I get confused. Right. When the ball is bouncing around, mm-hmm. certain, at a certain people, certain people can't touch it at certain times, right? Is well, that true? So <laughs> we could do the whole podcast on just the kickoff. <laughs> I know. Because, I know. I'm, because I'm telling you, um, you know, the rule book is for I've never seen the rule book for the NFL, but it's got right. to be very thick. Right. There are so many different scenarios. So if the ball is kicked off and it's bouncing on the ground, it maintains the status of a kick. If it crosses the goal line, you can have a touchback. The receiving team must either down the ball in the end zone or, um, you know, recover it to get that touchback. Mm-hmm. But if the ball is bouncing and it goes across the goal line, I believe it's still a live ball at the NFL level. So you'll see people always pounce on the ball. Okay. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, the mm-hmm. receiving team has the option, has the first option to receive a kick in the air. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching onside kicks and not to like jump forward, yeah. But when the kickoff goes straight up in the air and it's short, 
then the receiving team has the right to catch it. Okay. And that's why you see kickers pounded into the ground so it bounces up. Okay. No longer, it's in the air, but mm. it's not considered an airborne kick because it's been grounded. Okay. So when it kicked into the ground and it bounces high into the air, it's a live ball only after 10 yards and must okay. travel 10 yards. The where you see the kickoff, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, the um kicking team in the NFL, they're lined up on the 35. I'm sorry, the 30, I believe. No, the 35, yes. So they they were moving it back and forth. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the receiving team is lined up 10 yards away. That area in between the kickoff team and the receiving team is a neutral zone. Okay. The ball ends up in that neutral zone, untouched by the receiving team. The kicking team can't do anything with it. Because as soon as they touch it, that's considered first touching. And once the ball is dead, the play is over. So, oh, so that's like why they stand around and nobody touches it because they have to. Yeah, it has to travel <laughs> 10 yards for okay. it to be a live ball and it has to be grounded. So mm-hmm. if he pooches it up in the air and it goes 10 yards, the kicking team cannot be the first one to touch it. Okay. That is kick catcher interference because an airborne kick, the receiving team has the right to catch it, and even though they're on the forty-yard, uh, yeah, forty-five-yard line, they can fair catch signal and catch it right there. That's their right, and if mm-hmm. they're interfered with, then the flag comes out. Okay, okay. Now, and then go ahead. No, I said so. Once it's down, that's where the offensive team would start. Yes. Then okay. now you're bringing out your offensive unit. But staying with the kick, you mentioned kick out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So if a kick goes out of bounds, that's a foul. And you'll see flags and come out. Officials are taught to throw the flag at the spot that went out of bounds, unless it's, you know, if the ball goes out of bounds at the one yard line, well, the offense doesn't want the ball at mm-hmm. the one yard line. Right. They can enforce it 25 yards from where. The kicking team kicked it. Mm -hmm. So if it's the 35-yard line, you march 25, and now the offense comes out on the 40. That's a great spot. That's better than the 25. Right. Most teams will take that. Mm -hmm. However, if the kicker completely whiffs it, you never see this in the NFL, and Mm -hmm. he shanks it, and let's say it goes out of bounds at midfield, well, the offense can tack on five yards from where it went out of bounds, and now they're on their opponent's 45. Okay. It's, you know, this is where coaches have to decide what is best. And Mm -hmm. officials, they know to not ask the coach, well, do you want to tack on five yards from the one-yard line or go 25? We already know the answer. (laughs) Right. It depends on where that ball goes out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So it has to be around the 30-yard line because if it's at the 31, well, five yards from there is the 36. So it has to be something that's beneficial for the receiving team. 
But mm-hmm. ultimately, the coach will make that call. He can also back up the kicking team and make them re-kick. You can make them re-kick without it being like so, if it goes out of bounds. Remember, mm-hmm. we were talking about ball placement. Yeah. Uh, now, when the ball gets kicked out of bounds, the coach can't say, put it on the right hash, put it on the left hash, because it goes on the closest hash to that sideline. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, just a little tidbit of information. Mm-hmm. And that's homework for you, Shar. When you're watching the Super Bowl, you're going to enjoy the game. Right. But notice where the ball is placed on change of possessions, on penalties, because even incomplete passes, if the ball is on the left hash, mm-hmm. they throw all the way to the other side of the field and it's incomplete, they're going to bring that ball right back to the left hash. Mm-hmm. And that's where it needs to be replayed. Okay. Okay. So so that's sort of like the start of the game. But for people to know that, and, and we've been using it, there's there's two sides basically the offense and the defense yes and the offense scores right so just trying to break it down and um in the beginning of the game they usually do some kind of toying uh coin toss or something to say who's Mm -hmm. going and 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 the team gets to decide whether they want to start defense or offense right whoever wins that toss yeah yeah so the coin flip is the beginning of the game it precedes the kickoff and your captains generally are the ones that come out to the center of the field. You might, for the Super Bowl, you might have some honorary people come out. Mm-hmm. I know at the college level and high school that you're limited to four. And uh, they meet at the center of the field to see who gets the option of starting the game. The winner of the coin toss, as you said, can choose to put their defense on the field first and kick off. And what that means is they get the choice at the beginning of the second half. So a lot of teams like doing that. Mm-hmm. In the other team deep, get the ball in good field position, and you're rolling. They can choose to receive the ball. That mm-hmm. means they want the ball if they win the coin toss. And the third option, which you really never see, especially at the NFL level, they can choose the side of the field they want to be on first. Oh, I didn't even know that was a choice. Okay. That is a choice. Now, in the NFL, where you have great stadiums and, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody chooses that because then you basically give the other team the option to take the ball or put their defense on the field. You basically Mm -hmm. didn't make a choice. Right. So, But that is an option. And also, Char, when they flip that coin for overtime games, that's mm-hmm. also an option. Mm, okay, okay. I guess I could see that maybe in college or high school, if the field is all torn up on one side or something like Lower that. Than high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do the coin toss. We sort of went over the kickoff. Mm-hmm. Now. One thing you have the offense and the defense. Is it like chess where you had the same number of players for both sides, the offense and defense? Yep. So these are the, this is what people pay their money for, not necessarily kickoff, 
Mm. Not necessarily the coin toss, although there's probably a lot of money riding on the coin toss for mm-hmm. next time. But mm-hmm. um, the offense and the defense, these are your high price players, the superstars, the people that put points on the board. Um, so when a team receives the ball, they're in possession. Their offense will come out. They will try to score. The team that kicks off the ball, provided they don't gain possession legally, their defense will come out and they will try to stop the offense from scoring. So as we mentioned earlier, um, the most points wins. If your team ends up with the more points than your opponent, you win. So the defense's concern is stopping the offense from scoring points so that they can get the ball back in their offense can score the points. And you know what I forgot to ask you, Gary, though, before we go there, just one more thing about the receiving when it gets kicked off. Sure. If that receiver drops the ball, Mm -hmm. that means anybody can pick it up. And if it's not, I guess if it's not in that, no, I guess it doesn't matter if it's in that zone, that, that, that zone you talked about before. Well, right. Yep. Yeah, there's lots of rules. So right. in the zone, in the neutral zone, if it's not touched by the receiving team, is nothing. Right. The kicking team, once they touch it, we got a dead ball and it belongs to the receiving team. Mm-hmm. If the ball is kicked and it's not in the end zone and it's touched by the receiving team, then the receiving team needs to run with it. Because they can't just let it sit on the five-yard line. It's a live ball. Right. Because once that ball crosses 10 yards and is grounded, that means it's hit the ground, then the kicking team can gain possession. Okay. So that 10 yards makes all the difference. And if the ball is kicked into the end zone and it's muffed, as long as it doesn't come out of the end zone, the receiver can down it and still uh, the offense can take the ball on the 25-yard line. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because what that receiver does matters on where you start with your... Yes. But just remember, when the ball crosses 10 yards, it's anybody's ball. So you never let the... Re- uh, I'm sorry. You never see the receiving team not recover that ball. Right. And then if we get into like advanced football knowledge, (laughs) we could talk about scrimmage kicks and how the kicking team or, yeah, the punting team can touch the ball, but then it's still live for the receiving team to pick it up and run. So it's a lot of different things for this podcast right 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 yeah i was like i'll have to talk to you later about that because that's a nuance that i do want to understand but for this one the receiver let's the receiver has a clean catch she runs let's say to the 35 i don't know Mm -hmm. that's a good return yeah that's (laughs) a good return the the offense comes out with the quarterback the Mm -hmm. offense quarterback is on the offensive side and then you have the defense come out Right. right. So let's break down offense. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned quarterback. Of course, mm-hmm. most people know who the quarterback is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not know most of the other positions on the field. <laughs> right. 
So the quarterback, every team has to have a quarterback. Every offense has to have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quarterback is part of what they call specialty positions. These are the positions that can touch the ball. Mm-hmm. And ultimately in football, anybody can touch the ball, but it's illegal for certain players on the offense to touch the ball first. Mm-hmm. So. We'll get to that in a second. So you have your quarterback, and generally your quarterback is the one who takes the snap from center, whether he's under the center or whether he's back in sort of like a shotgun. Mm -hmm. But the quarterback is a position. And the position, you've seen different um, plays where maybe the quarterback shifts out of his position. And Mm -hmm. now he doesn't catch the football. Remember the Philly special? Yeah, yeah. Nick Foles went down the right side, shouting instructions, making sure that his team heard it, and Corey Clement received the snap. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make Corey Clement the quarterback, but any player that's a back can receive the snap. Okay. So anyway, uh, you have to stop me when I'm getting too deep here because <laughs> now we're going to get a receiver can receive the snap, but he's not the quarterback. Right. But as long as they establish themselves as a back, they can be the first ones to touch the football. So we'll come back to that. Yeah. Now you have running backs and receivers. And the reason I can't put a number on them is, as you know, an offense can have no running backs in the game. It's right, still right. A legal formation. Mm-hmm. An offense can have no receivers in the game and still have a legal formation mm-hmm. as long as you have seven people on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I'll explain the line of scrimmage in a minute. So you have running backs who typically line up in the backfield, receive a handoff, and they run with the ball. They're the strong, tough runners, and uh, their careers aren't very long in the NFL. And then you have receivers who can line up on the outside or in the slot, and the slot is a position that's uh, sort of halfway in between the interior line and the other receivers. Uh, You can have a myriad of formations, but if you, you, you can't have more than seven legal people on the line and throw a forward pass Mm -hmm. because then, uh, well, you can, but the inside receivers are locked in. They cannot go down beyond the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you have receivers. Generally, an offense cannot have more than uh, five of the specialty positions, including a quarterback. So you can have a quarterback and you can have four receivers. You can have a quarterback and three receivers and one running back, a quarterback and two running backs and two receivers. So, you know, all of that, you mentioned how many players, an offense can't have more than 11 mm-hmm. on the field at one time. Five of those 11 are called linemen, Mm -hmm. and they cannot legally touch the ball, be the first 
to touch the ball or it's a penalty. So your linemen are on the line of scrimmage. That's where the ball is snapped. And they cannot go downfield on legal forward passes. But they're very much a part of the game, as you well know. Mm-hmm. But there are certain rules surrounding the linemen. Uh, the reason why they cannot touch the ball first is because they are considered ineligible. Mm-hmm. So. When you watch an offense come out of the huddle for the play, you know that the five linemen are on the line of scrimmage. They're near each other, typically within a yard of each other. And you know what their job is. Their job is to block the defense and protect the quarterback and try to score, try to open up holes to score. But take note of where the receivers line up. And it looks like they're both on the line if you have two receivers to one side, but one will be one hair back. Mm. One hair back. He's considered in the backfield because Mm -hmm. if both receivers are on the line, the outside receiver has now made the inside receiver ineligible. So call him a tackle. Okay. And and this happens a, a lot. Well, not a lot, but it it will seldom happen at the high school level where the receiver just maybe forgot. And now he lines up on the line. And if I'm doing that game and I'm looking down the line, my antenna goes up and I say, okay, this receiver better not go downfield on a legal forward pass. Because Mm -hmm. if he does, whether he catches it or not, the flag goes up. So the people who are ineligible are not first allowed to touch the ball until it's either been touched by an offensive player first or a defensive player first. Mm -hmm. So the batted pass at the line, Char, anybody can now catch it and run with it. Mm -hmm. But you rarely see that offensive lineman catch the ball unless they're really heads up like Jason Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about our center, though? Because the center had to touch the ball, but he's also considered a lineman, correct? That is correct. The center is a lineman, and the center gets to snap the ball. Now, mm-hmm. anybody that stands over the ball and touches it before an offensive play is is the center. Right. Um they are allowed to snap the ball, but after that, they become ineligible mm-hmm. unless an offensive player touches the ball first or a defensive player touches the ball first. Then that center or the two guards or the two tackles can touch the ball if it comes into their possession. Yeah. So now, since we have been talking about receive, receivers and running backs, we understand that the quarterback has protection, but he becomes a receiver or I guess running back when he runs with the ball after a certain point. What is that, 10 yards or something from the line of scrimmage? Or when when does he become um sort of a running back? Put it that way. Because you know, we have Hertz and Hertz runs with the ball. Yes. And then so, he doesn't have his protection anymore after, you know, anybody can hit him like he's a running back, right? 
Well, yeah, but remember, anybody can hit the quarterback anywhere on the field. So, um, but there are certain rules that call him a passer. The passer has certain protections. Yeah, okay. Right. So when he's passing and he's in the pocket, that's when you'll see the officials protect that quarterback and you'll say, oh, that wasn't roughing the passer, but Mm -hmm. he's consider a passer in the pocket that's different when Hertz broke through the line of scrimmage got hit by the Chicago player who landed on top of him hard and hurt his shoulder he becomes a runner when he leaves the pocket and the pocket for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) is the natural uh cup that the offensive line forms to protect the quarterback to allow him to throw the ball to a receiver or to a running back. So a quarterback is always a quarterback with special attention and protection from not just the offensive line, but from the officials as well. The rules state that he can't be hit low, he can't be hit in the head, as a passer. But once he breaks out and starts running, all of those rules are off. Okay. He can be hit as long as it's not illegal, like the face mask or hitting out of bounds or anything like that. Anybody that gets hit late out of bounds, you don't have to be a quarterback. It's a fact. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you clarified that because I thought it had something also to do with how far he was away from the line of scrimmage. So it has to do with that pocket as long as he's within the pocket and doesn't uh position doesn't run out of that pocket. Right. Uh, but but we also call that again the tackle box. Okay. Um right. There's different terminologies, tackle box or free blocking zone. And mm-hmm. that's NFL and college and again not for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once you know, you know the quarterback gets the ball, he's going to throw it or he's going to give it to one of his running backs who's going to just, you know, take it and run with it. You mentioned that the offensive linemen who are ineligible can just block, right? And they're blocking the defense. Now, what is the defense also, so we can get to the defense, so has certain positions as well that mirror the offense in a way? Well, they don't mirror the offense, but um, the defense has positions where if you want to break it down in its simplest terms, you have linemen on the offense mm-hmm. and you have linemen on the defense. So the the uh, defenders closest to the offensive linemen are defensive linemen, but you can have linebackers slide up Mm -hmm. in there. So we could go through the um, positions. Typically, most NFL teams have four defensive linemen that will put their hand in the dirt and they're going forward each and every play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Defensive tackles, which typically don't line up over the offensive tackles, they're the interior linemen. And Mm -hmm. so they're more inside. They normally line up over the guards. They're normally the biggest, beefiest 
line <laughs> on the team. Then you have defensive ends who line up typically outside of the tackle for rushing angles. And they're normally big guys as well, but they're quick. They're fast. Uh, they make their money by outracing their offensive tackle and turning the corner and getting to the quarterback who's in the pocket trying to pass. Uh, so typically you see that most NFL teams will run four down linemen. And then you'll have linebackers. Linebackers typically line up three to five yards off the ball. But in the NFL and in the Super Bowl, you'll see they're moving all around. They typically don't stay in one place because they don't want the offense to know what their intentions are. Maybe mm -hmm. they're going to shoot an A-gap. And they have to disguise it so that the offense doesn't know it's coming. But mm -hmm. they back up the line. That's why they're called linebackers. They back up the line, and they're the ones who normally make most of your tackles because they're rarely blocked. Uh, because you have defensive linemen that are taking that attention. So that mm -hmm. frees the linebackers up to follow the running backs, follow the ball, and make the tackle. Typically, there's three, except one passing downs. Maybe there's two or even one. Mm -hmm. Then you have cornerbacks. They're mm -hmm. the defenders on the outside. In the NFL, they can move all around the field. If they're a man-to-man, -man, they'll follow the receiver across the field. And that's why quarterbacks send men in motion to see what the defense will do. Are they in man? Are they in zone? If they don't see someone following their motion, then it's probably a zone. But uh, the two cornerbacks are normally on the outside covering the receivers who line up on the outside. However, uh, teams can bring in three or possibly four cornerbacks to cover receivers and match up with the offense when there's four receivers on the field. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you have safeties. You have a strong safety and you have a free safety. Mm -hmm. And they both have distinct responsibilities. Generally, the free safety will stay back and play center field, stop the long ball from coming. Uh, that's a long pass down the field or support the run. But you know, good defenses move their players around so that the offense doesn't know, okay, is this person coming on a blitz? Are they dropping back? It's disguised. You mm -hmm. won't get the full uh, Patrick Mahomes this Sunday. He's seen too much. He's more experienced. This is Jalen Hurts' mate, uh, like second full year. So, yeah. You know, um, when quarterbacks can read defenses, they can pretty much see, okay, what is this defense doing pre-snap? And now that the snap has happened, what is this defense doing? Because he knows where he wants the ball to go. Yeah. So that's a good lead-in for my next question, I think, because I want to better understand. I think I get it, but I think it will help people, too. When the quarterback throws to a receiver and then the corner 
cannot touch him for a certain amount of time. And also he has to be looking a certain way because they call it path interference. That can be confusing to me sometimes, but I think I got it now because the, the corner cannot be looking at the ball. Like he has to be looking at the receiver, right. And sort of time when he's going to come up or, or interfere. Okay. So, so basically you want a definition on what is interference, what can the defender do? There's a lot of different things that can happen on a pass play. Mm -hmm. Number one, I believe in the NFL, and I I can't be quoted on this because I don't study their rules, Mm -hmm. but they have a five-yard zone, five yards from the line of scrimmage, that physical contact can be made with the receiver, any receiver, Mm -hmm. five yards. After that, if they make that contact, if a receiver wants to run the route and cuts in and that defender prohibits him from cutting in by bumping him, that's the illegal contact by the defense. That's five yards, and that's a first down. And, you know, a, a lot of teams throw the ball an awful lot, not just because they have great receivers, but also the chances of them getting a penalty are substantially high. They Because it's hard to cover a receiver all over the field without touching them. Right. So when you talk about looking back, well, it doesn't matter what the cornerback does. Okay. He's looking back. Now, what you mean is when the ball is in the air. Yeah. When the ball is in the air, that official wants to see the defense and the offense playing the ball. The defender can't just hit the receiver so that it stops him from catching the ball until the ball arrives. That's not playing the ball. So you'll see cornerbacks look up and they're taught that when the receiver you know, most receivers are already looking back, but when their hands go up, so yeah. hands indicate the ball may be coming, and that's when the quarter, cornerback has to look back and catch the ball. He might have a hand on the receiver, but the official sees him looking back, trying to play the ball, and then okay. there's a judgment call at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay. yes, a, a cornerback cannot interfere with the receiver while that ball is in the air and the cornerback cannot bump the receiver off his route after five yards and the cornerback cannot grab that, grab and restrict that receiver uh, while he's in his route. That's defensive holding. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different rules against the cornerbacks that they were allowed to do 30 years ago. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah, they were allowed to rough up the receiver all the way down the field. Hmm. So um, those are the restrictions. Those are the rules. And, um, you know, the the good cornerbacks are able to play their position well and break up passes. All they have to do is knock the ball down. They don't even have to catch it, get paid millions of dollars. Yeah. So let's go back to the linebackers, though, because that's another place where – you get that offensive or defensive hold. So you're trying to hold the people, but you can't really hold them. That's what it feels like or seems like. Yeah. So, so 
quarterback has the ball, he's in the pocket, you cannot hold the receiver. It will be defensive holding. Quarterback runs out of the pocket, still behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, you still can't restrict the receiver, but when the quarterback now runs with the ball, now it's not a forward pass. All bets are off. You can hit the receiver. The linebackers typically are matched up against running backs, and running backs are good receivers. They wouldn't be in the NFL if they weren't good at catching the football. And linebackers typically are paired up with running backs. They can be paired up with receivers too. There are no rules about what they have to do and who they have to guard because if they step up on the line of scrimmage, they're considered in the neutral zone, um, at on the line of scrimmage, and they could be cut block. Uh, if they're back, you know, they could drop back into coverage. They can support, you know, double teams on certain receivers. So just a lot of different things they could do. But because they're not the fleetest of foot, and again, that's relative because everyone in the NFL is fast. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they may not be in there on obvious passing situations, mm -hmm. but that's what the linebackers do. They make their money by seeking out the football and making the tackle. And that's why typically they lead teams in tackles. Uh, the defensive linemen and the defensive backfield, which are the cornerbacks and the safeties, they typically won't lead the team in tackles, but in, in some cases they may. Mm -hmm. So when you know, um, um, another thing that the Eagles are, are been known for is this down. So we probably need to explain this. You sort of have three chances to go so many yards, right? Yep. And mm -hmm. then you could go a fourth or you can mm -hmm. kick it off or if you're close enough, you could do try to get a field goal. So maybe it's good to understand how many tries, you know, let people understand how many tries you have to get down the field okay. and, and how you get down the field. Uh, that's an excellent question because one of the things that people who aren't familiar with the game find that it's boring is that the offense tries to score a touchdown every play, but <laughs> won't score a touchdown every play. But what the offense is trying to achieve are chances to score a touchdown on that next play. Mm -hmm. So in football, they can get four chances at scoring that touchdown, which is the ultimate goal. They want the touchdown that's worth six points. Four chances. Otherwise, they have to give the ball to the other team. So they have to travel 10 yards. A football field in the, in the field of play is 100 yards with two 10-yard end zones. So a football field is 120 yards. And they have to travel 10 yards at a time or more if they can in order to get four more chances. So uh, they typically, they have three downs to make that 10 yards. If they don't make the 10 yards, now they're faced with a dilemma. They could try on their fourth down to make 10 yards or however many yards it takes to get a first down 
A first down means you get four more chances. Mm-hmm. However, if they don't want to take a chance because of the field position, because if they're deep in their own territory and they don't want to give the other team a chance to score an easy touchdown that deep in their territory, they can choose to punt the ball. That's a scrimmage kick. And when they punt the ball, they catch the ball from the snapper and they step and kick it as far as they can. Or strategy-wise, they could try to kick it out of bounds and pin the other team deep. But punting the ball is giving up the football. Now, here's an interesting concept. When the offensive team has the ball and before they punt, they are the offensive team. They're in possession. Mm -hmm. They can bake it and try to throw the ball or run it. But if they don't make it, then the other team gets the ball. But when they punt the ball, while that ball is in the air, no one is in possession. And there are a lot of different rules around fouls that occur. Most fouls occur in the kicking game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll see uh, good punt returns come back. And the official says, illegal block in the back. And no one sees it. (laughs) They're just exasperated. But Mm -hmm. they're looking at the football. They're saying, go, go, go. And they don't see the block in the back. Or maybe the trained eye will see it like right when the receiver catches the ball. And you'll know, oh, that might be a block in the back. And you're looking Mm -hmm. for the flag. So once possession has been determined by a catch of the punt, now you have different rules that come into play with foul enforcement. And generally, they penalize the receiving team for blocks in the back um, at the point of possession. So where the ball goes to the other team, they will enforce that foul. So receiver runs it, I'm sorry, punt returner runs it back 20 yards. Well, you're not going from that spot. You're going back from where he first possessed the ball. Okay. So that's called like, post-scrimmage kick enforcement, and that that's a tongue twister for anybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yes, four downs, and if you can't get it by the fourth down, most teams want to put the other team back on their heels, punt the ball away so that they're not close to scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But I guess it depends where you're at on the field because you could go – for that field goal, the three points we talked about early on, if oh, yes. you're if you're close enough to for your kicker, um, mm-hmm. uh, and also if you're very close, like they say, it's you know fourth and inches. You know the Eagles would go for that, right? And again, Char, that depends on where on the field they are. Okay. In so, one of their games, they got pinned back on their five yard line and it was fourth down. Mm. And the punter had to stand near the back of the end zone without stepping on the line. Otherwise, that's a safety. Okay. So, fourth and inches, it depends where on the field it is. And as you mentioned, if they're close enough to their opponent's goal line and their kicker can kick the ball through the uprights, well, that's worth three points. But you won't see them doing that on first down or second down or third down. Why? 
because they're using those downs to try to score a touchdown, which is six. They know they can kick the field goal, but teams will wait until fourth down unless it's a clock issue and you're running out of time and you want to kick that field goal before time runs out of the half. Mm -hmm. So with that field goal, though, um, when you set up it set up where they kick from, isn't it like so many feet or yards back from where the ball, where you, where you start? I mean, the- yes. In the NFL, it's typically eight yards back. Mm-hmm. I believe at the college and high school level, it'd be seven yards back and you're still the same. So even though the kicking team is out, they're still considered the offense. And the defenders that are trying to block the kick, they're still considered the defense. The mm-hmm. rules are the same with the five interior linemen. And then you kind of see the guys at the end aren't on the line. They kind of are recessed back a little bit. And again, that makes the formation legal because you you need at least seven people on the line and you need backs. Now you have a holder and a kicker. But the mm-hmm. two guys that are recessed back, they are eligible receivers. So the people that are in the interior of the line, if the holder drops that snap, he can't throw to them. They're ineligible. So the offensive rules and the defensive rules still remain the same, even on a fourth down kick that goes awry. But mm-hmm. most times, when they're lining up for a field goal, they want the three points. Uh, very seldom you'll see trickery, but they want to kick the ball through the uprights for the three points because that could help them win the game or it could win the game for them. Yeah. And I know you mentioned uh, we talked about stops and starts in the game. I think one nuance we didn't mention is that if you're the offense, you don't you have to get the ball off within a certain amount of time. I forget uh, what it is, right? Yep. So, mm-hmm. so that's called the play clock. So yeah. for those that think that football is a boring game, it's actually fast because when one play ends, the play clock starts. And in football, it's a 40-second play clock in between plays. Now, even this rule is kind of um you know, been changed over time. It used Mm -hmm. to be 25 seconds in between plays and the referee would start the play clock. Now the referee doesn't have to start the play clock because as soon as somebody is tackled or the pass is incomplete or somebody runs out of bounds, the 40-second play clock starts. And Mm -hmm. all of that is an attempt to speed the game up so that games don't Ooh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Games don't last typically more than three hours. Um, a college game could last anywhere between two and a half to three hours. A high school games between two and two and a half hours. And some games you can get done in one and a half hours if everybody mm-hmm. runs the ball. Yeah. So the play clock starts as soon as the tackle is made. The 40 seconds will start. Um, if there's a stoppage, okay, we have a timeout on the field, we have an injury, um, other things, a penalty, then the play clock starts on the 25 seconds. They don't get the whole 40. 
The referee mm. will start the 25-second play clock because there was a stoppage in the play. Mm -hmm. So all, all of this has sort of evolved over time with rule changes. And uh, But that's it. That's a good question. The offense does have a time limitation in order to snap the football, and that's 40 seconds, or in some cases, 25. And it is uh, four 15-minute quarters, correct, with a halftime we have or something like that? In the NFL, it's 15-minute no. quarters. In college, it's 12-minute quarter. I'm sorry. Um, also, 15-minute quarters. <laughs> High school is 12, and mm -hmm. then you go down from there. But uh, this Super Bowl isn't going to be your typical three-hour game because, as you know, uh, the timeouts are longer because of the advertising. Yeah. So the halftime is longer, and players have to get used to that as well, uh, mm -hmm. having an extra long halftime because of the performances. Yeah, yeah. And one other, I think it's something important to understand, if the, um, okay, Maybe let me go back because I was going to ask about if it's tied at the end of the fourth quarters. But even before that, because usually when it is a tie game, they do this thing where they do this little short kick because I guess that's in that special zone. So you're hoping that you can recover the ball. Yes, that's so maybe the that's good side kick. <laughs> yeah. So as we started talking in the beginning about a court about that neutral zone, the kicking team. <clears throat> would love to get the ball after it travels 10 yards. But the receiving team knows that as well, and they'll put special personnel in the game to catch the football uh, after it travels 10 yards. A lot of strategy around this. Now, if we go back years ago, Charlene, um, as long as you had 11 people on the line for the onside kick, as they call it, you could have as many people on one side to overload that side. But mm. again, because of the safety protocols that are being instilled in the game, they have now said at the NFL level that you have to have, uh, I believe, and I believe at the NFL that you still have to have five on each side. At the mm -hmm. college level and high school, you need a minimum of four players on each side of the ball. Mm -hmm. So it cuts down on those collisions where you have seven or eight guys coming down to take out the receiving team so that they can recover the ball. Mm -hmm. Now, there are fouls against that. They are not allowed to initiate contact until the receiving team initiates contact. Okay. I think in one of the Eagles games where there was an onside kick attempt against them, you saw the receivers run into the neutral zone and try to block. And that's also a strategy. They are allowed to come into the neutral zone after the ball's been kicked. Mm -hmm. But what they were doing was clearing space for the people behind them to catch the ball. Okay. You won't ever see them touch the ball in their neutral zone because if it bounces against them, it's a live ball. Okay. 
Okay. So that's good. And I guess one other thing we didn't talk about in terms of the lining up in the offensive and defense that you hear a lot. I'm trying to pick those things that you hear a lot. Is that offside? Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. foul. Right. Yeah. So we talked about the line of scrimmage, scrimmage yeah. which is the width of the football. That's considered the line of scrimmage. And if you want to think about neutral zones where people cannot get in, they cannot get into the width of that football before the center snaps it. Mm-hmm. So if a defender lines up in the neutral zone, his body might be behind the football, yeah. but his hand or any part of his body that is in the neutral zone at the snap is Consider offsides on the defense. That's a live ball foul. So the offensive players, we talked about the five ineligible linemen, two tackles, two guards in the center. Anybody on the offense, they are not allowed to start the play until that center snaps the football. That's a false start on the offense. So when you think about offsides, Offsides is for defense. You'll hear the announcer say, oh, the offense was offsides. Well, that's technically not correct. (laughs) They all started. Right. So if they move before the ball has been snapped, that's a false start on the offense. But the defense can move. They could jump. Oh, they didn't snap the ball and get back. Perfectly. Because if they jump, and they're in the neutral zone, and the ball's been snapped, that's going to be offsides on the defense. Okay. Yep. So you see typically offensive linemen are taught in the NFL that when somebody jumps in the neutral zone, for them to come out of their stance and make the referee blow their whistle because the defense initiated and caused the offense to fall start. It's no longer a false start at that point. It is encroachment on the defense. That's offside, five yards against the defense. Okay, so that's why they try to do, you know, some of the quarterbacks do those hard counts or yeah. whatever, trying to get the defense trying to, to draw jump. the defense, yes, for mm-hmm. somebody to come into the neutral zone because it's an easy five yards. So if you're mm-hmm. trying to get a first down and let's take 10 yards and the defense jumps offside, Well, now you just need five yards. So all of these strategies to try to get the other team to foul aids the offense. Mm -hmm. And one other thing before we go on a tie game, men in motion. So Mm -hmm. if a receiver goes in motion on the offense, does that mean the defense can do it too? Or is it, it, that's, that's sort of allowed, right? Yeah, so the defense can do whatever they want. As okay. long as they don't come into the neutral zone. They could do backflips. They could do <laughs> cartwheels. They okay. Jumping jacks. They could run with the receiver. They can choose not to. Okay. As long as they don't enter the neutral zone. And generally, when receivers go in motion, it's to tell the offense what kind of defense they're going up against this play. Because if somebody follows them, now they know that that person is going to cover me no matter where I go in this field. That's called man-to-man coverage. 
And so when the defense is in man, now the quarterback knows, okay, I know where my receivers are going, and I know that the defense has to follow them, and they could choose where to place the ball. Also, men in motion serves the offense to maybe overload one side of the field. So you have a receiver or a slot guy on the left side. They go in motion to the right. If the defense doesn't respond, they have one extra receiver on that side of the field. Mm-hmm. Most defenses won't miss that, especially at the NFL level. No, no defenses will miss that. Yeah. They'll shift their coverage or move people and leave that cornerback on that other side of the field because generally there's a receiver over there. And mm-hmm. they'll just change how they're covering. So. Right. Yep. Now here's something for you. The offense cannot have two receivers go in motion at the same time without them both stopping and resetting. Mm. They have to stop and set for a second, and then the ball can be snapped. Otherwise, it's illegal shift. Okay. Uh, so you'll see, you know, maybe two receivers on one side. And they both get up and go to the other side, but you will see them stop and set for a second and then the ball shift. But somebody in motion can stay running in motion. You've seen how in the offense they'll run past the quarterback and then circle back and go. Yeah, Yeah, they can keep running and doing anything they want to do as long as it's one person doing it. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, that's good to know. So I think we get most of the fundamentals, but when it's a tie game and the time is out, so you have to go to overtime. Mm-hmm. I believe and it's now you the first team that scores wins. Is that it? No, that's how it used to be. Okay. When we were little growing up. <laughs> okay. Because then the coin toss meant everything. Right. Because most teams would say, I want the football. I want to try to score first. And they are at the advantage being the offense. The defense is forced to stop them. So uh, that's what was called sudden death, uh, where the first team to score won the game. Mm -hmm. Now in the NFL, the rules are such that if the team that wins a coin toss scores a touchdown, game over. They Mm -hmm. win. However, if they kick a field goal, the other team gets to come on offense and try to either score a touchdown and win or kick a field goal, and now you're at sudden death. That's during the regular season. Mm -hmm. I do not believe the NFL does that during the postseason. I -hmm. believe it is sudden death. and whoever, they're going to both want to win that coin toss to get their offense on the field first. Mm -hmm. Uh, So because you may not have a chance if you don't. Yeah, yeah. So this has been, I think this has been really helpful. I think people would, will have a better appreciation for the game at least and at least be able to like, you know, research some other things that they didn't get because certainly there's lots of stuff on the 
internet now and YouTube and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I don't know if you have your favorite football book you can share or anything like that, but. <laughs> well, I, I do have some books uh, that a great sister-in-law gave me. <laughs> <laughs> it is right here. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagle Playbook. Playbook, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten very far, but it made for some good reading on the plane, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just a lot of different things. Um, actually, you got me a, a, a different book. It was the Fifty Greatest Eagles. That's what mm-hmm. I was reading on the plane. But um, no, uh, I mean, like you said, there is a lot of literature out there. Uh, most people that want to learn football won't go buy a book to learn about it. They'll yeah. just watch it and they'll listen to what the announcers are saying or friends and learn that way. But uh, generally, you know, uh, if you like the game, you've liked it most of your life, if not all of your life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that just sort of sticks with you. Mm-hmm. But your 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 knowledge grows. And, uh, you know, podcasts like these certainly to help illuminate, you know, s- some people's questions yeah. um, will, you know, also be helpful. And also just general talking about it. You know, when you talk about it with people, you you can give your perspective and you receive a perspective mm-hmm. and that also helps. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. And I think I, it's it's good for me because. You know, my dad's a big sports fan and, and my both my brothers. So yeah. and I'll, I'll ask questions. And if I'm not, you know, and, and then they, you, um, I'm glad that you guys don't just turn around and say, why are you asking that? You usually clarify um, and they tell me. So that helps me to have a better appreciation. But I do want you to do something, Gary, which I know is going to be hard because, you know, we're from Philly and we love our Eagles. But when you if you can do like a little analysis of the game as far as. To me, and I'm being biased, I know it feels like sure. people kept feeling like the Phillies were underdog, uh, mm-hmm. the Eagles were underdogs, mm-hmm. and um, the, I, it didn't didn't seem like or feel like we got the credit. But now we have a we have a great defense. We're going against apparently a good defense in offense. These are, I think maybe maybe in the NFL they they got it right. We got the top one and two teams. So what how do you what what will be your analysis of the game? as unbiased as you can give it. We got two good coaches. We have two good quarterbacks. I think you brought out a good point that I didn't think about is, you know, Mahomes has more experience than Hurts. Yes, especially in Super Bowls as well. Right. When you look at a game like this one, uh, and, and then being as though we're not in the Kansas City market, but they're on TV quite a bit, we we don't get to see them week in and week out. So naturally, mm. our bias is to the team that we know better. Right. However, when you look at a game like this in the matchups, uh, you have to look at offenses against defenses mm-hmm. uh, when any two teams play. And um, what they do well is what they do with their quarterback. Their quarterback throws the ball well. Mm-hmm. So, however, the strength of our defense is against the pass. 
We have a great secondary, and the secondary, again, are the cornerbacks and the safeties. And we can bring in extra when we have our nickel package in, which is that extra cornerback where maybe a linebacker trots off the field. Mm -hmm. And we have a great pass rush. So the storyline of this game is can Kansas City neutralize our pass rush and let Pat Mahomes throw the ball downfield and pick us apart? I think if we are able to win up front and have our defensive ends apply pressure and also pressure up the middle from our defensive tackles, we can make the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, throw the ball before he wants to and not let him get comfortable and settle down. Because mm-hmm. once football players find a rhythm, just like a good basketball player, he's shooting in rhythm and he could just, he can't miss. You know, football players find that rhythm too. And they get very comfortable with what they're seeing, what they're playing against. And they just kind of, Uh, what we say, matriculate the ball down the field, just first down after first down. And and that's the story there. I believe that we can be successful against the run, and that's going to be important also because if the Chiefs can run the ball, then that's going to put us on our heels and not pay attention to covering the receivers. And Patrick Mahomes may have more opportunities for big plays. Now, so, is he a running quarterback too? Because I don't really know. Yes, he's okay. a scrambling quarterback. However, we know with the high ankle sprain, um, he's limited in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So I don't see him running for, say, 100 yards. Because okay. even in a scramble in the AFC Championship, where he got hit out of bounds late, which made the field go a lot easier for the Chiefs to kick and win the game, he was hobbling afterward. So Mm. he he went full bore on that hurt ankle, and he aggravated it a little. So don't look for him to run a lot. Look for him to pass the ball a lot from the pocket. He may move around a bit to maybe get out of the way or clear a passing lane so that he could throw the ball, but um, he's not going to do a whole lot of running. Mm -hmm. Conversely, the Eagles offense against the Kansas City defense. So the Eagles beat um, two pretty good teams, you could argue, uh, with good defenses. Put up 69 points in two playoff games. Only Mm -hmm. gave up 14. So... Our offense against their defense is going to be key. We have to be able to put up points because we know that the Chiefs will put up points. Right. So we have our our offense is very balanced. Right. Yes, we have Jalen Hurts. His injury is not his lower body. Um, his shoulder should be fine. So when you had mentioned the fourth and inches, you know that we're going for. Yes. yes, that's our bread and butter, and we make teams have to stop us. And by the way, the key to all of those fourth down sneaks are um, the left guard and left tackle, uh, Dickerson. Mm. He, 
if you ever watch replays mm -hmm. uh, what's his first name charlene dickerson mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I forget his first name, but number 69. Mm -hmm. Watch what he does. He's a dry blocker extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. He moves the pile backwards. So, and you'll see that when Jalen Hurd sneaks it, that's where he goes most time on the left side. So, if we can control the ball, which controls the clock, and keep the Kansas City offense off the field, we're going to fare well because mm -hmm. we're going to keep the ball. We're going to progress down the field, hopefully towards touchdowns, and we make them play catch up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of different uh, uh, scenarios or, or uh, a lot of different predictions, let's say, where People will say it's going to be a close game or the Eagles win big. But no one has been saying that we're going to lose big. So we're not necessarily the underdog in this scenario. Five mm -hmm. years ago, yes, we were. But in yeah. this scenario, we're the hunter. And uh, Pat Mahomes is the hunted. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for, I think you gave a pretty balanced analysis. I'm really been, um, I, I think Jalen Hurts, his, some of his throws look really great. And also yes. we have a good running game too. I really like game well. He looks like, I guess because everybody's so big, he looks so little and he just seems to be able to go through all those open spaces. So I'm hoping, like you said, we can have a balanced game. I don't know too much about the Chiefs defense, how they're ranked or whatever, but like you said, we've gone against some pretty good defenses and been able to, yes. to do it. So. And uh, don't forget Boston Scott. So he's the yeah. smallest back of all. He's thick. He's stout yeah. like a mm -hmm. tree trunk. But uh, we have three pretty good running backs. Our running game is made good by the offensive line. So mm -hmm. as long as Lane Johnson is healthy enough and lasts through the whole game, then uh, we're going to fare well because we will be able to block them. And when you win up front, that's uh, when you pretty much have a good chance to win the game. But they have their own all-pro pass rusher on their side. His name is Chris Jones. You're okay. going to hear his name called quite a bit um, because he's their best defensive lineman. He's their best uh, pass rusher. So we definitely have to pay attention to where he lines up and to make sure that he is blocked. And um, I, I, I think that it will be a good game and good things for us that Sunday. Oh, that's good. Well, thank you for that analysis. I guess that's, I like to end on a high note of that <laughs> and, and go Eagles. And um you know, I'm sure, as I always tell everybody, I'll think of another reason for you to come back and talk to me, Gary, about something. But this has been really good, and um, and I, I hope that it will be encouraging and inspiring and all those things. I hope to other people, so when they go watch the Super Bowl, I'm really going to try to get this out before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, they'll have some sort of baseline of information or maybe learn a little bit more than, than they had before. Well, no. thank you for having me, Shar. These uh, conversations with Shar are very uh, 
educational for me too, because I get to talk about what I love, my passion, mm-hmm. and I get to uh, hopefully, you know, teach in the process. So I enjoy these. I can't wait until the next one where we could take maybe one facet of the game and break it down. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to do that because I always, when we're talking, I think of other questions and I'm like, no, we don't want to go there yet. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely, definitely another time. Well, thanks a lot, Gary. Okay. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Garage Conversations with Char, visit the website, garageconversationwithshar.com. Until next time, peace and blessings.